I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. I've referenced you a lot, Rippin, over the years about avoiding the foods that have all this baggage with them. You know, I mean, yes, meat is a source of protein, but it often comes with cholesterol, saturated fat. It's either class one carcinogen and class two A carcinogen. These are things to stay away from because they have baggage. Why not go to a source that has far less baggage, that is more friendly to animals, more friendly to the planet, more beneficial to your, 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 your gut flora and your, your, own internal microbiome and your ability to thrive, uh, why not pick that option? And you don't have to sacrifice anymore. We live in 2021, plants are everywhere. They've always been everywhere, but now they're even more abundant in in restaurants and fast food places and all of this kind of stuff that anyone in anywhere America can find a plant-based meal now. Season three of the Plant Strong Podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get plant strong together. I want to welcome you to the Plan Strong Podcast. I'm Rip Esselstyn, your host, and I got to say that I think it's so cool that plant-based nutrition is front and center in the limelight right now because of everything that it can do for us as a people, as a planet, and um, it just makes sense. And it's so much fun to be a part of the of the conversation. Today, I want to introduce you to two other gentlemen who are downright studs in this area, and I've known them for a combined total of close to 20 years. The first is Matt Frazier. He's founder and creator of the No Meat Athlete brand, and he's absolutely one of the global authorities on plant-based nutrition for endurance athletes. The second is Robert Cheek, He's been referred to as the godfather of the vegan bodybuilding movement, and he's always out there flexing those biceps of his, and he's done his fair share of winning clean bodybuilding competitions around the globe. It is so cool to me to see Matt, Mr. Endurance, and Robert, Mr. Muscle, cross-pollinate their brands and produce this new book, the plant-based athlete, a game-changing approach to peak performance, because this book will no doubt be the definitive guide for any athlete looking to optimize and enhance their athletic performance. 
To me, it, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who is just starting to dip your toe into fitness, and you may harbor some fear or doubt that a plant-based diet will provide you with everything that you need to succeed. We're going to put those fears to rest today, especially when you hear us talk about some of the biggest names in the athletic world who are at the top of their game and at the top of the sporting world. For example, this last weekend, Novik Djokovic won the French Open to claim his 19th Grand Tour victory. Pretty amazing. Um, And yes, we're going to have the protein talk. It is the crazy myth that we'll just keep busting as long as it takes. But more importantly, we'll talk about why plant protein is actually superior. I want to make sure you heard that. Superior to animal protein and how plant-based protein aids in recovery and reduction of inflammation from those hard training days. Because the nemesis to us athletes is inflammation. So if we can reduce that, that is a fantastic thing. But there's so much to unpack here today. And even though my platform here at Plant Strong has primarily been about preventing and reversing chronic lifestyle diseases, it is so exciting to shed light on the fact that the same Plant Strong diet is also a performance enhancer to help athletes at all levels compete at their best. And as you probably know, it has helped me thrive as a collegiate swimmer, a professional athlete, a firefighter, and a plant strong father for a combined total of close to 33 years. So it's time. Let's just dive right into it with my powerful pals, Robert Cheek and Matt Frazier. So both of you guys, when you have written previous books, you know, Matt, No Meat Athlete and, and, uh, and Robert Shred It and uh, Vegan Bodybuilding um, have come to Whole Foods Market, where I had a tenure as a uh, healthy eating ambassador. And I invited both you guys to come and speak to Whole Foods Global. You guys did phenomenal jobs there. Everybody, everybody loved you. Um, so it's amazing to me how far, how far back we, we go and how far the movement has come uh, over the last, you know, really, you know, Robert, since when you've been doing this since 2002, Robert, since 1995, 1995. So we're going to get into both your stories here. Um, but you know, you know, so my whole platform, the, the platform, the engine two and the plant strong platform has really been primarily about kind of preventing and reversing chronic Western disease, but who would have thought, right. That you could take almost the exact same diet and have it be the ideal diet for peak performance. And that's what you guys are, are showing in the plant-based athlete. Um, <clears throat> and I, I have firsthand experience with exactly what you guys have written about in your book, because I've been living and breathing this as a, not only as a human being, but as a athlete for almost 33 years. Um, so you guys have, have taken the science, the interviews, the meal plans, uh, you know, all these spectacular quotes from all these athletes, and you've combined it all into the plant-based athlete. So with that, let me just start. So Matt, let's start with you. Uh, Tell me about your journey and, and why you're so like revved up on plants. Sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thanks for having us, Rip. This is awesome. Uh, all the things you said, those are those are themes that have come up in the, the handful of interviews we've already done. Uh, yeah. Talking about this book, just just how much the movement has changed since Robert and I were getting started, him much before me. But uh, yeah, it just feels like we all go way back in this, and we've all seen how how much it has just taken a, a you know grasp on the culture, and people are are embracing this, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, and, and of course, we should mention that that you're in the book. You're one of those athletes who we who we interviewed because you you. So embody uh, exactly what the plant-based athlete is. So uh, we all you we all owe you a big uh, debt of grat- gratitude for that and for your work. But anyway, my story is uh, I was in in twelve years ago. It was two thousand nine. Um, I was an in just a marathon runner, just kind of casual runner, not not anything special. But I had been on this mission to qualify for the Boston Marathon, 
And I was, I had taken 90 minutes off my marathon time. I needed to take 10 minutes more off to qualify for Boston, which is not, not an elite accomplishment, but like for someone who first runs a four fifty marathon to run a three ten is, is a significant, uh, you know, achievement. So I was, I was close. I was 10 minutes shy of it. And finally I decided to go vegetarian, uh, not yet vegan. And this wasn't for performance reasons. I was just doing it because I, I didn't want to eat animals anymore and couldn't find a lot of information about this. I think, uh, engine two was actually was kind of just, just getting popular at those times. Um, but I couldn't find much on the internet. So I decided I was going to start a blog and journal this, how this vegetarian marathon running worked. I called it no meat athlete. And to my surprise, really, it worked exceedingly well. And six months after that, uh, I qualified for Boston, took those final 10 minutes off, and then, you know, started meeting people like Robert, Brendan Brazier, and got inspired to, to do more, to be vegan. And that's when I got into ultra running and did some 50s and even a 100 miler. Um, and in the past few years, I've, I've kind of, you know, gotten back into strength stuff like kettlebell training, as well as being just a sports dad. I have two kids who are really superstar athletes. Um, so I'm, I kind of have a, a different perspective now, a broader perspective. Uh, I've done a lot of coaching of my own kids as to how they should be eating and, and how their mindset should be. So that's, that's kind of where I am. And, uh, you know, kind of had an entrepreneurial journey along the way, did the no meat athlete thing, wrote some cookbooks, started a, a supplement company, um, yeah. and, and some things like that in the, in the movement. So, uh, yeah, this has been, this has been a life-changing experience these 12 years and, uh, here, yeah. here we are. <laughs> and are you, are you, uh, how, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. They are 11 and eight. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and my son is actually a superstar soccer player. He's, uh, we actually moved to, to Charlotte recently from Asheville, North Carolina, so that he could play, um, with the, there's a new pro team here. He's like in their, their youth Academy. Uh, so he, it's amazing. He's, he's like a, he's, he's my plant-based athlete. He was, he's a superstar. And my daughter is not far behind. She's, she's going to be somewhere like that too. Wow. So. You know, and, and they're, and they're all hundred percent plant-based hundred percent. Yep. Yep. And, yep. and I think it's a huge advantage for them. Like they really have incredible endurance. Uh, it, and you know, the recovery, all, all the stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about over the next few minutes. I just had two, two professional women soccer players that play for the Orlando and I'm spacing, spacing. Orlando city, right? Well, or it's Orlando, a, no, is it Orlando pride. Is that what it is? I think it might be the Orlando pride. Uh, and it's amazing how many, how many women on that team are, are going, are going. I think Alex, Morgan, oh. Alex Morgan's on the team, right? Uh, I don't know if Alex is, but she's definitely plant-based. Yep. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. Roberto up there wearing the, the, plant, the, the plant strong shirt. So tell me about your, tell us about your journey. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Rip. And you're actually right that 2002 is when I started my brand vegan bodybuilding and fitness, but I came to this plant-based lifestyle, vegan lifestyle in 1995. It was one of those things. I, I, I remember the date it's well-documented December 8th, 1995, my older sister, organized an animal rights week at our high school. I thought, what the heck, give it a try, support my older sister. Yeah. You know, she's putting in all this work. So I attended this event, which had speakers in the auditorium, videos of you know, factory farming and animal testing and, and literature and conversations with people about living a vegan lifestyle. And that week turned into something like 1300 weeks, more than a quarter century, like you, Rip. And, and here I am. And, and I was organizing the Animal Rights Week two years later when I was a senior yeah. in high school. And all the while, Rip, and I think you know this about my story, I was a five-sport athlete You know, in 1995. I was a runner. I was a soccer player. I was a wrestler. I was a basketball player. And I did every single, almost every single event in track and field and won the Dan O'Brien Award ah. for my school because I did everything except for like basically the pole vault and two other events. I mean, I did throwing events, hurdles long distance, sprinting, jumping, triple jump, everything. And, no, but uh, you know what, but there's one event that you kind of, you like, I've seen you up close and personal and you let me down. And that was the vegan hot, hot dog eating contest here in Austin. <laughs> that is exactly right. That was a decade ago. That was, it must've been 2010 or something. I rolled yeah. into Austin you gave me the opportunity to speak at Whole Foods Market World headquarters. You were taking notes there in the, in the audience. I thought you were playing on your phone at first. You later revealed that you were taking notes. Oh, yeah. And I entered. It was covered by the New York Times, a lot of media, and I got my butt kicked. <laughs> I, mean, I took my shirt off. I was oh, flexing. I was the you, silly. You were doing push-ups on the stage before you started. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was ridiculous. And I ate like, I don't know, like six plant-based hot dogs in the allotted time, which was 10 minutes or something. It was, it was pretty pathetic. It was, uh, it was. yeah, it, it was, was. It, but, but, but I, I put on a performance. 
I thought you were going to mention Rip the time that I got I got my butt kicked doing push-ups on stage at Plantstock oh. at the Esselstyn Family Farm. That's what I thought you were going to say I, I, when you said I saw you yeah. up close and personal. But what I what I love about that Rip, it was so funny. You were hosting. You're on the microphone. Hundreds of people in the audience, and you were yeah. actually like critiquing the person's form who was doing more reps than me. You're like, you're not even going the whole way. You were like, it was, it was you were taking it so seriously, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, uh, you're like, he's not even doing full reps. And so this person who beat me, you know, yeah. you were saying, well, maybe he didn't really qualify. He didn't do all the qualifying depth Actress. to uh, achieve this feat. But um, anyway, those are all side notes, which also <laughs> talks about our history, Yeah, <laughs> which also reminds me of one of my favorite photos, Rip, is me, you, and Brendan Brazier. Oh, from over 10 years ago in Austin, when I was on tour there and you were hosting one of your early, one of your first ever uh, Engine 2 retreats, uh, Brendan was speaking, I was in town, you invited me. Because that photo represents something like 75 years of plant-based living between right. the three of us, maybe 80 years at this point, 85 years. Yeah, And uh, it's just like an iconic photo I, I, I toss online for Throwback Thursday. Yeah, But just to really finish, Rip, uh, and I know we're having a great time going back down memory lane, you know, I was one of these guys, I weighed 120 pounds when I became plant-based in 1995. I had no business in the sport of bodybuilding. I went on to uh, weigh as high as 220 pounds as recently as a few weeks ago. And I put on 100 pounds with a plant-based diet, which really puts that protein question to rest. You know, can you build muscle on a plant-based diet? Well, uh, unequivocally, yes, you can. A, a resounding yes. And so I went on to become a multiple-time champion a vegan bodybuilder. Uh, I even kind of retired from that and got back into long distance running and, and had great success in that during a period of time, about eight years ago when I was living in Austin. And then, uh, and I've been writing ever since, you know, this is my fourth or fifth book, depending on how you qualify. One of them is yeah. an ebook only, but it's the best one. It's like you said, this is the resource. The plant-based athlete is your story, Rip. It's Rich Roll's story. It's Scott Jurek's story. It's Fiona Oaks' story. It's Christine Vardaro's story. Vanessa Espinosa story. It's, it's the stories of more than 50 plant-based athletes yeah. that, that are some of the best in the world that we interviewed and are able to share with readers along with all the, the monumental uh, evidence, you know, the, the evidence-based science, you know, endorsed by Dr. Greger, of course, that espouses these benefits of a plant-based diet for athletes. Like, why do we have better recovery? Why do we have yeah. more energy? Why do yeah. we perform really well? We tackle that, uh, pun intended, um, with David Carter and others um, in this book. And it's just an honor to have it in stores and to be sitting here talking to you about it. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into some of the probably the burning questions that, uh, that the Plant Strong audience has um, and the ones that are, you know, always brought to our attention as athletes or just being plant-based. And you guys do a really great job. It's in one of the early chapters, just breaking down the macronutrients and the micronutrients. So what I'd love to do right now is let's just go through some of these macros so people can feel good that when you're a plant-based athlete, right, you're getting all the protein you need, all the fats you need, and all the good carbs you need. So let's start. And as you guys phrase it in your book, the protein talk, we got to have the protein talk. So where do you want to start? Yeah. In a nutshell, Rip, and you know this to be true, if you consume adequate calories based on your calorie needs, you're going to get the requisite protein that you need. You know, our bodies don't need that much. We're, we're packaged and sold this idea that we need a whole lot of it and that more is better and that we're going to wither away if we don't get a lot of it. And we talk about the history of that. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the history going back um, decades and decades and decades even to the to television and the impact you know television had and, and TV dinners and the rise of fast food and the cultural acceptance of consuming large amounts of meat and the equivalency to masculinity with that, the convenience of fast food and restaurant and, and diners, the um, the busy lifestyles and then you get into the the kind of the, the 70s and 80s and the Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Joe Weider era of using this byproduct of, mm. of uh, cheese making to use whey and casing as uh, powder supplement forms to then turn into a multi-billion dollar industry to get athletes of all types hooked on it so that you feel like you're not going to reach your potential unless you do it. And so, we, we, I mean, we give many, many more examples, including when you buy 
you know, what you, what you think is a protein bar, you're, you're oftentimes buying an energy bar wrapped in protein bars clothing because yeah. we know the breakdown of protein and carbohydrates and, and how many calories per gram. And if you look at a 12 gram protein bar with 25 grams of carbohydrates, you know that that is, that is significantly, that is a carbohydrate bar. And in fact, yeah. some cases you're buying a fat bar. Yeah. You're buying a fat bar, not a protein bar. And so we just, we break that down for people and to make it easy, we give you protein sources, you know, plant-based protein sources. These are pr protein, the, the amino acids, the building blocks of protein are in every food. If you want to increase your protein intake, just in increase your intake of some of those foods that have more protein in them. The, the legumes, certain grains, certain leafy greens, nuts and seeds and nut and nut butters and seed butters and things like that. And protein is so easy to yeah. get. In fact, most people walking around and, and not and, and sitting on couches are consuming more protein than they need. Yet while they're sitting there, seeing muscle milk on the TV, they realize even as non-athletes, they should probably go have some more protein and right. then they'll go out and get protein popcorn, protein water, no. protein supplement, yeah. protein. Pro well, and you got to have your, you got to have your protein shampoo, you know, that's enriched. Yeah, with yeah, I mean, imagine the, the absorption right through the skin, the, the, oh, the largest oh. organ, in the body, you can just take protein in that way while you shower, while you bathe. Sure. It's getting, yeah, it's getting a little bit out of control. And so we dedicated an entire chapter to protein. And then we covered it even more no. in the supplement chapter. We covered it in the day in the life um, section and, and, and really, what I thought was really unique too is that, um, Rip, you were one of the people in a certain chapter that uh, we talked about not using protein supplementation. And what we found was really interesting interviewing a number of these athletes is that many of the world's top performers don't use them either because they're Olympic athletes and we're afraid of failing drug tests mm -hmm. with you know taking these supplements and, and what might be in them. And so that was kind of fascinating to hear that uh, even though it was something that I was pretty aware of yeah. to find out that some of the best athletes in the world don't rely on that either, but they come back to food where yeah. it's the food, the food, <laughs> it's always been the food as our yeah. friend, Dr. Clapper says, let me ask Matt, let me ask you this. Um, so this is, so I would say that, I don't know, I would, I'm just going to make a guess here that 75% of Americans are protein toxic and they're getting their protein from the wrong source. Um, there's all kinds of discussions going on about good carbs, bad carbs, good fats, bad fats, but it hasn't seemed to permeate yet into protein, good protein, bad protein, especially in relation to plant protein versus animal protein. And you guys have a whole section on why animal-based proteins does our body no good. Can you like let us know what's wrong with, that, with animal protein? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so you're absolutely right. Uh, people are... are getting, I think way too much protein. If you just look at the, the recommended amount for most people, it's something like a, a I think 0.36 grams per pound per day. Uh, so if you're 150 pounds, then it's like a little over 50 pounds. Athletes may be slightly more vegetarian protein and vegan sources of protein are digested slightly less efficiently. So, you know, in that way you could, you could say that you should have a little bit more than that, but you know, nothing like the, the pound of, or the gram of protein per day that most people get. Uh, but to specifically answer your question, um, you know, I, I think for me, the big reason to avoid animal proteins is the link to, to, um, high levels of IGF one insulin, like growth factor one, um, that hormone, which is, which is just, you know, that it's meant to grow animals it's meant to grow things. And it's great for humans when we're, when we're young and we're growing, that's, that's, that's good to have those things. And that's why it's in human milk. Uh, but you know, when people like those, it's not just linked to, to, growth of your body is linked also to growth of cancers. And that's, that's one of the huge reasons for me to get off of the animal protein. Um, not to mention, you know, acidifying sort of effects and things like that. But, uh, to me, that's, that's the big one. And it, and it's, you see people like who start, they go, they go vegan and they start thinking that they need to supplement with all this protein and start taking these BCAAs. And one of the risks of that is that you, you might be kind of undoing one of the great benefits of this plant-based diet is that it gets you away from, from these proteins. Now, now most plant proteins have, have been shown not to raise even, even like isolated soy protein doesn't raise IGF one levels. Um, mm. because it also, you know, comes with this, this certain thing that kind of blocks that. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's, it's a mistake to sort of think of it like, well, now that we're vegan, we need to replace all this protein that we're now missing because in many ways, that's one of the great benefits of this is that you've gotten away from, from this, this, you know, mega amount that you certainly don't need of protein. Yeah. 
Yep. Perfect. Robert, let me ask you this. So uh, you guys write about how there is um, the limit, the limiting uh, amino acid in the vegan diet is lysine, right? So what, what can we do about that? Well, you can simply just go to the, the foods that have uh, higher amounts of it. Uh, those are listed in the book. I, I don't have them um, all memorized. Uh, Matt might, but- um, <laughs> Seitan, Seitan tempeh are two, two big ones. Yeah. So it's, it, and it's the Black same seeds. with, with any uh, essential amino acids that might be slightly low um, in, in any given diet to simply uh, consume the foods that have higher amounts of those like tryptophan or whatever the case is, where you can add in some hemp seeds. Like I know, you know, you're a fan of rip. You, you're very, you're very deliberate. That's a word you use. And we interviewed you. You're very deliberate about yeah. what you consume, like for a breakfast, for example, there's reasons to put chia seeds and hemp seeds and walnuts and blueberries. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, um, you even list all the benefits of, you know, of, of, of getting the benefits from blueberries and the chlorophyll from leafy greens and the, 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 the nitrites and nitrates and nitric oxide benefits and opening up blood vessels. And I think that's the, that's the key, Rip, it's being deliberate. So whether it's lysine um, or, uh, or any, other, um, any other essential nutrient or amino acid, it's just understanding that a balanced diet, a wide variety and array of nutrients is always going to best serve us. And, and an example of that is that many people, if you survey, talk to people, have them record their food, they eat about a dozen things you know, throughout the week. It's the same things. They eat the same two or three fruits, the same uh, one or two grains, the same, you know, if you're standard American diet, the same one or two meats, the same uh, one or two dairy products, whatever the case is. And it's the same things over and over, not a lot of diversity. And that wouldn't inherently be a problem uh, if these were really nutrient-dense foods, these dozen things that we're eating. But if you think about it, for many people, that, that might be toast, um, which is bread that's basically set on fire and turned into ash. Yeah. Um, and we need a firefighter like rib to come handle that. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe you have like toast with some sort of butter or, or super calorie-dense spread. Maybe you have some, uh, some eggs or sausage or something for breakfast some sort of dairy beverage, of course, because, you know, we all need that does body good. Right. And, uh, and maybe a soda during the day, some caffeine, some just empty calories, um, maybe some grapes it might be the only fruit for the day. Uh, and then a big hearty dinner and maybe some ice cream. And you get the idea. This is, this is what a lot of people are doing, including athletes. And so when you look at that, the diversity isn't there, the diversity of nutrition isn't there. And that's what leads to a lot of Mm -hmm. need for vitamin mineral supplementation on a standard American diet. What we found rip and, and, and you've talked about this and dozens and dozens of other people we've interviewed talked about this is the moment you do a plant exclusive diet, uh, especially whole foods, there, there's so much variety there. And what we do is we encourage people in the book to, to list your favorite foods in every category, your favorite fruits, your favorite vegetables, your favorite legumes, grains, nuts, and seeds. So when it comes time to creating meal plans, you know what to reach for and you don't have to take that bread and set it on fire and then douse it with butter to calm it down. You can have your oats and eat it too with blueberries and with flax seeds and chia seeds and, and, and berries and whatever else you want. So I just wanted to point that out, that it's not just, you know, limiting amino acids and protein, but it's getting the benefits of complex carbohydrates when they're in abundance in a nutritional plan that is just not always present in those who are not eating a lot of plants. Yeah. So you just mentioned carbohydrates. Let's, let's move to carbs for a second. You guys, in your book, you talk about how really the carbs are the main event on the plate. Um, what kind of carbohydrates are we talking about as a athlete, a plant-based athlete? I mean, for me, any kind of whole food carbohydrate is, is good enough for me. Um, you know, people worry about the sugar and fruit and things like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's just such a shame that that's what the, the rhetoric is on the internet, that there's too much food is bad for us because there's too much sugar in it. Uh, if you look at things like the global burden of disease study, I think it was their 2007 one. Uh, they found that the, the number one problem with, with West, like the number one reason responsible for the, the ill health of our culture was that we don't eat enough fruit. So mm. it's just such a shame that like actual scientific research can demonstrate that. But what the internet says is that fruit is, is bad for us. Um, Dr. Greger has a great study about people who drank sugar water and then people who drank that same amount of sugar water, but also had some, some whole blackberries with it. And so the people with the blackberries were, of course, getting more total sugar because they were having that along with their sugar water. They actually had the lower insulin spike, lower blood sugar spike too, because 
the, the fiber and the blackberry and everything else that's in that whole package of food, which is how it's supposed to be consumed, uh, it helped to, to blunt the blood sugar spikes. So, you know, it, that to me, better than almost anything else, goes to show you that, that fruit, the sugar in fruit is not a problem as long as we're eating that whole fruit, which is you probably shouldn't be juicing it. A little bit of juice here and there may be okay, especially for athletes. That sort of yeah. thing can be useful to make like a homemade sports drink, uh, which by the way, like if you mix, mix one-to-one fruit juice and water and a little pinch of salt, you have a, a pretty good, darn good sports drink, a lot better than the stuff you're going to find uh, on a convenience store shelf. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the fruits are something that I eat pretty much as much as I can of, um, but carbohydrates, you know, show up in, in, you know, so much other things. Grains, beans are the huge sources for me. Uh, you've also got things like potatoes, sweet potatoes. Uh, but I mean, that, that's largely what my, and, and most people who I think are doing a good job of plant-based nutrition, um, you know, their meals are, are built around carbohydrate rich foods and, and they're complex carbohydrates. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, that, that about covers the, the way that I eat, honestly, Robert, do you have anything to add to that one? Yeah. I think it's important to note, especially Rip, you talk about athletes, right? What are you going to eat before and after workout? And what I like is, is how, um, I think I first heard it from Jean-Pierre talking about, um, how you take something like, uh, like potato or yam or, or oatmeal or something like that. And it's like, it's fuel, like a slow burning log on the yeah. fire. I mean, you get fuel for the long haul, or you take something like a refined carbohydrate, fruit juice or whatever. And it's like a newspaper just burning up and it's gone. Yep. And so as, as a former runner and as a, a former competitive bodybuilder, and as a current weightlifter, for me, it's those types of complex carbohydrate fuel before workout, like the oatmeal, like the rice and, and grains uh, and, and legumes like potatoes, yams, and sweet potatoes. Those are great. And, and I'm also known for, uh, just like I did right before this, uh, this call to get energized. Uh, I had two bananas, like that's my go-to, you know, a hundred or so calories in each banana, maybe 120. Uh, and, and that's what I go, go to right before training. And then what do you need after workout rip? And what, what do you do when you're exercising? Well, you're, you're burning through carbohydrate stores. So you're burning through, uh, you're burning through energy, you're burning through calories, you're sweating out electrolytes and you're, you're losing water. And so, uh, and you're also damaging muscle tissue, especially if you're doing resistance training. So what do you need? You need to replenish electrolytes. You need to replenish carbohydrates that were burned through during exercise. You need to rehydrate. And then of course, regardless of what you're eating, you're getting those amino acids, uh, to be the building blocks of protein to rebuild damaged muscle tissue. If you want, you can emphasize, you know, put a little peanut butter on something, right? You could, you could boost your protein intake if you like, but the idea is to, re to fuel intelligently, uh, replenish smartly. And, uh, and that sandwich right there before and after workout, what you decide to put into your body can really make that workout that much better. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you, if you just did, if you just did simple carbohydrates before a big endurance event, I mean, you're just going to run out of steam, right? But if you fuel the right way and can get the slow releasing complex carbohydrate to just power you for the long haul, you're going to perform that much better. We'll be right back with Robert and Matt. But first, I want to take a minute to say I've been so thrilled this week to see such a joyful response to the launch of our new Plan Strong granolas. Thank you to everyone who has visited our new online store at plantstrongfoods.com and tried these new guilt-free dessert-inspired products. I appreciate it very, very much. And I had a, a small hunch I wasn't the only one with a sweet tooth. This is a fitting episode to talk about our new granolas because they really are the perfect fuel for an active lifestyle. We spent more than a year testing different ingredients until we found the perfect balance between whole grain crunch and sweetness and spice. Over and over, our supplier partners told us that we needed to add oil and a touch of maple syrup or just a little bit of honey, but we refused and we persevered and after countless iterations, we had our Eureka moment and the results were incredible. The four new flavors include All-American Apple Pie, Tahini Chocolate Chip Cookie, Crisp Mixed Berry Crumble, and Classic Oatmeal Raisin Cookie. My current favorite is the Tahini Chocolate Chip Cookie 
and I love to snack on it after my morning swim or as a topper to my Rips Big Bowl cereal. For a limited time, we're offering a sampler pack so you can discover your favorite. It includes one of each uh, of the granolas. So please visit plantstrongfoods.com and, and check them all out. And if you'd like to hear more about the backstory to this endeavor, plus some tasty ideas to try at home, look for our new podcast, Plant Strong Snackables. The first episode aired this week on June 15th, and we have some more coming very soon. These bite-sized episodes will dish on all things food. It's the one common denominator among the Plant Strong universe. And now let's get back to Robert and Matt. So you guys have a whole section on the pre and post workout um, nutrition rules as far as timing and also ratios. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? I can talk about that a bit. Um, I, I actually think most people overthink this. In fact, I just had a conversation today on Facebook in a plant-based endurance athlete group um, where someone was asking me about this ratio. Because the thing that I've talked about for probably the past 10 years is this three, four, five ratio. So it's three to one carbohydrate to protein. So that means for every one gram of protein, you want three grams of carbohydrate. That's your before workout ratio. During is four to one and after five to one. And the question was, well, how, why is the after one five to one? We were talking about why that might be. But actually, if you look around, that, that's just one source that I've been citing forever. But really, I mean, to me, that, that is going that granular is probably overthinking it for most people's purposes. Four to one to me, just, just do that all the time. It's one number to remember. Um, that that's about what you aim for when you're kind of constructing a pre during or post-workout meal, uh, you want, so if you're going to have, you know, say 10 grams of protein in that, then you want about 40 grams of carbohydrate. Uh, you know, you can go depending on your sport, you're going to want to do different specific numbers. Like, like for running, it was always 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour was the number that I would keep in mind for endurance events. Um, but it really depends on the person. Some people like to think in terms of calories, not grams. Uh, but that four to one ratio is a really nice thing to remind to, to keep in mind, uh, it, it allows you to, to, you know, keep the focus on the carbohydrate, but it also reminds you just to get that little bit of protein. So if you're going to take, you know, dates, which are a wonderful, like they're like nature's energy gel to me, mm. just whole medjool dates. Uh, a lot of people will stuff like a Brazil nut in place of the pit of the dates. So and they don't have to worry about pitting the date on their run. And they also get that little bit of protein. And is that exactly four to one? I don't know. I'm sure it's not exactly that, but yeah. that type of mindset to me, that, that keeps you like, you know, you want to be fueling with whole foods and you want to kind of be listening to these rules. Uh, the other kind of rule, if there is one is for me, like right after a run in that, that, or after a hard workout in that 30 to 20 to 30 minute window, that's when you want to replenish those glycogen stores. That's kind of the time for the high carb meal. And then what I like to do is after you have that, like that's the big priority after you're done. Um, but then one to two hours later, you're eating a, a higher protein meal. And to me, you know, those, those probably kind of average out to something like the four to one, five to one ratio. But in reality, it looks like a whole lot of carbohydrates right when you finish. And then, you know, your big beans and rice meal or whatever other whole food plant-based meal you want to have uh, an hour or two later to kind of celebrate and reward yourself for that workout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, throughout my career as an athlete, um, I just kind of ate um, until I, I was comfortably satiated mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and kind of watched my weight, make sure that I wasn't losing too much weight. Uh, I, I've really never had a problem gaining too much weight. And, uh, and then I just found that, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to how many grams of protein, how many grams of a uh, carbohydrate or any of that. So I, I like, I too like keeping it simple, but I think it's nice for people to have a little bit of guidelines, uh, to, to help them out for sure. Yeah. It just depends on the personality, I think, and, and how you like to live your life. And, and like the athletes in our book, they really, it, it just, it runs the gamut from people who are like you who just say like, well, I just kind of eat till I'm full and I make sure it's whole foods. And that's, that's good enough for me. Uh, and other people who, who are way more meticulous than what I just described. Uh, and, you know, down to every last gram, they have it calculated. Someone more like Robert who has done his share of that. Um, and that's one of the really cool things about this book and about that section of the book in particular for me was it demonstrated that like, there's, there's not just one way to do this. It's not one person's approach who, who it's ever book you last read that that's how you do a plant-based diet. Uh, it speaks to the, to the versatility and the, the power of this diet that it, it's kind of hard to screw it up. I mean, if you're eating whole plant foods, you probably don't need to be all that focused on, on anything because everything you're eating is good for you and, and has protein, carbs, and fat and all of the foods you're eating. 
Uh, and and that, that's a very natural, healthy feeling way to eat. Just eat the food. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think in many ways people do worry too much about a plant-based diet when, when what we should be worrying about is the non-plant-based diet, right? The standard American diet. That's where we need to probably worry if we're going to be eating a diet like that. Big time. I mean, and you talk about the standard American diet and what guys is the like number one enemy, uh, our foe as athletes, it's inflammation, right? Yeah. And so would you guys, I mean, you guys have a beautiful section in on page 185 on what Harvard university says are the pro-inflammatory foods. Do you want to talk about those at all and why they are not an athlete's friend? Yeah, absolutely. It's primarily, it's primarily animal protein is pro-inflammatory animal protein and processed foods. And if we can eliminate those two things, we are on a course for success. And and you can, you can look at some specific foods. You can look at some specific studies. uh, And there've been a lot more in in recent years, which is really, really exciting to see that how, how plant-based athletes perform compared to omnivorous athletes. We have these studies now, some are as recent as 2021 studies. Mm. Uh, one came out in April, I believe, another one in February. We included one or two of those in the book uh, right before we submitted it, and many other studies in recent years as well that show that a plant-based diet is, is just as successful for building muscle and strength as a omnivorous diet, but um, there is often uh, improved recovery, decreased inflammation on those with a plant-based diet. And we've got We've got studies that show that. And we also have just countless first person accounts of that Uh, anecdotal uh, evidence from all these people that we interviewed. Rip, if we, if we could summarize one thing from these, from these interviews, like one absolute takeaway, it was that a plant-based diet reduced inflammation and improved recovery and therefore overall performance for these athletes. Mm. There are very few rip who were born vegan. There are at least three of them in the book that have been vegan since birth, but what's more compelling to me are the athletes like David Carter, former NFL lineman who at his prime 25 years old, I mean, NFL football player, but had so much inflammation. He could barely push himself out of a bathtub and, uh, and adopting a plant-based diet took all his pain away. He was pain-free two months later. He dropped 40 pounds. Uh, He got faster. He got stronger, even at a lower body weight. He was bench pressing more. He was inspiring other teammates. Um, I think on the Oakland Raiders at the time, the team and and the Arizona Cardinals. And he's one example of many of people who came to this diet to reduce inflammation. There's an, I mean, the list goes on rip, but like another example I just like to give is, is Sharon Feichman, who was very similar to Venus Williams in the fact that uh, professional tennis players on the, on the women's professional circuit and had to step away from tennis for a while due to uh, inflammation and autoimmune diseases and were able to adopt a plant-based diet, bounce right back and become their best ever. And, uh, and Sharon Feichman's playing right now. I mean, as we speak at Roland Garros, nice. you, know, in the, you know, moving on in the rounds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, it, and it's runners it's powerlifters, it's bodybuilders, it's cyclists. It's uh, some of the athletes that you introduced me to, Rip, which I'm, I'm grateful for. And, and we gave you a shout out and the acknowledgements for I that. I saw that. I saw that. Darcy, Darcy. Yeah, yeah like, like Darcy. I mean, incredible feat uh, of uh, kayaking the entire length of the Amazon River, uh, which took five months and an incredible effort and also incredible dedication too, yeah. because, you know, her, her people who were doing that mission with her would, you know, get off the boat and, and eat a burger. And, and, you know, she stuck to her plan. She stuck to her plan and, and she performed well. And then she celebrated by doing other crazy athletic feats in the mountains of Colorado and, and, and always looking for the next adventure. Yeah. And, and Rip, it just, it just comes back to that the inflammation is, is the enemy of athletes Hey, look at look at Chris Paul. I mean, look at our look at our NBA star Chris Paul, whose career was let's all admit was going kind of downhill. Yeah. He wasn't an all star anymore. He has completely re- revitalized his career, you know, and and is is playing some of his best basketball of his life. And that's exactly what he said was a plant based diet yeah. took the pain away. It took well, let's the inflammation talk, away. Let's talk for a second about some of the professional athletes that are that have turned to the power of plants. So you. You mentioned Chris Paul, 
you know, you got uh, who else? Kyrie Irving, right? Kyrie Irving. We got a whole bunch in the NBA. And you know, that's my sport. So like, I mean, a year ago before there were some trades being made, one third of the Brooklyn Nets team was plant-based. That was, was that, Kyrie, was that because of Kyrie, Jordan, Wilson yeah. Chandler, and Garrett Temple. Um, four out of, out of uh, you know, Talk to me, baby. 10 or 11 players. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I mean, and JaVale McGee, and I had a chance to meet him at, at you know, the Game Changers uh, premiere. Yeah. And um, well, he's, he's like seven, he just, he's like seven one, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and a multi-time NBA champion and, and Enos Cantor and all these other people. And then you get, yeah, no, Novak Djokovic and Serena and Venus Williams and Lewis Hamilton. And tennis, it's tennis, Novak's tennis. Yeah. Just for people that don't know, Serena and Venus are tennis. Tennis. Yeah. And, and yeah. Lewis Hamilton's a Formula One yeah. race car driver. Uh, you you get soccer. Don't forget soccer. We got Alex Morgan. We mentioned earlier. Yeah, Alex Morgan, and, then, and even Lionel Messi apparently is vegan during the season, and he's he's one yeah. of the two greatest players in history, perhaps. And uh, and you know, even at that level, choosing that a plant knows the plant based diet during the season is what what it takes, and he's getting up there now, but he's still putting up the numbers. Don't forget that one quarterback that just won the Super Bowl recently, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady follows a mostly, you know, a plant-based yep. diet, a plant-centered diet, but yep. you know, Cam Newton, a former NFL MVP yep. is a, you know, exclusively plant-based diet. Arian Foster had a tremendous year when he did the plant-based diet, when he was inspired by forks over knives and, and led the league in um, at rushing touchdowns and rushing attempts, I believe that year. And um, you go back even further, Tony Gonzalez, you know, that reference yes. uh, and, and, and Dr. Campbell's influence on him and, and, you know, um, and seeing what he was able to do to prolong his career. And I actually heard him speak at the Game Changers premiere. He, he unequivocally said that a plant-based or plant-forward diet extended his career by seven years. Mm. And he's the greatest tight end in NFL history, arguably. And so, Rip, what we're seeing now are pro athletes in, in all sports, and even in like in pro wrestling. You know, there's all these big macho guys and a ton yeah. of them are plant-based now. Um, some of them are featured in the book as well, um, just because of their 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 size, strength, you know, athleticism, and the fact that they're in this you know extreme masculinity sport and are plant based. Uh, many boxers, I mean, Mike Tyson did it for a long time, yeah. and I talked to him in person about it, yeah. and Timothy Bradley, and so many others, and mixed martial arts. I mean, you know that from hanging out with James Wilkes and and all the others, men and women alike in MMA. Are, are coming to a plant-based diet for endurance, for recovery, speed, stamina, all of these things. So yeah, Rip, I think well, it's just a matter of time until yeah. it's like, it is. Well, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's legalized doping is what it is, right? <laughs> I mean, it allows you to recover quicker. Uh, you know, you hardly ever get sick. I, I like to say I had the immune system of a Canadian moose when I was, you know, when I was training, uh, you guys actually have a quote in your book about how exercise strengthens the immune system. Obviously, so does the power of plants and reduces the risk of getting sick by almost 50%. So, you know, eating yeah, plants, I mean, exercising, good, good combination. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we've, you mentioned that specifically in our interview that you haven't been sick since as far as you can remember. Yeah. And that's another thing. And we're not going to, we don't want to make claims that you're just never going to get, you're never going to get a cold again when someone sneezes on you in an airport. But the fact is that you can absolutely strengthen your immune system uh, because uh, exercise and a high uh, antioxidant, vitamin, mineral, fiber, water rich diet uh, does that, you know? And, and also like I, I've, I've referenced you a lot, Rip, and over the years about avoiding the foods that have all this baggage with them. You know, I mean, yes, meat is a source of protein, but it often comes with cholesterol, saturated fat. It's right. either class one carcinogen or class two, a carcinogen. These are things to stay away from because they have baggage. Why not go to a source that has far less baggage that is more friendly to animals, more friendly to the planet, more beneficial to your, 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 your gut flora and your, your, own internal microbiome and your ability to thrive, uh, why not pick that option? And you don't have to sacrifice anymore. We live in 2021, plants yeah. are everywhere. They've always been everywhere, but now they're even more abundant in, in restaurants and fast food places and all of this kind of stuff that anyone in anywhere America can find a plant-based meal now. So you guys talk about um, food combining here for kind of like to increase absorption. You also talk about uh, adaptogens. Uh, I'd love for you to talk about some of those combinations and ad adaptogens just as kind of 
being potential like superfoods in the the plant based you know world. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that you can do, and I think I think at the risk of like overcomplicating things, I don't want people to think you hear this and like, well, now I have to worry about this and this and this, and and like it, it's really not that. These are these are bonuses you can get if you want to do things right. As we've said over and over, if you just eat whole plant foods, you're going to be doing really really well. Um, so I, I don't think it's something to get hung up on, but like, you know, people worry about iron all the time, which is, which is not necessarily a, a, a legitimate concern uh, for everyone, but, but like you can increase iron absorption by, by eating it along with vitamin C. So if you, if you want to cook it with, you know, have iron rich leafy greens along with say tomato sauce or something like that, that's going to be uh, in general, a good practice. And it's not something you need to do every time, but if you want to do that kind of thing, uh, you can, you can increase absorption of certain things. Turmeric and black pepper is a well-known one that you can increase the bioavailability of the curcumin by 20 times or so with just a little eighth of a teaspoon of black pepper with your. Turmeric. And what does that, and what does that help with inflammation I mean, or what? That's turmeric. That's, that's a huge anti-inflammatory, uh-huh. anti-inflammatory food, which is what a lot of these are. Uh, tart cherries, another really great anti-inflammatory food, whether you eat it in its whole form or in a, in a juice extract form, like sort of as a, as a post-workout supplement almost, which is the way that I use tart cherry juice. Um, so yeah, I mean, you got those things. Of course, you have the adaptogens, things like maca, um, which which are just I think adaptogen I believe is is something as far as um, adrenals go. It's sort of like it, it can help you feel or your body get a stimulated feeling when it needs it, and it can have a calming effect when it needs that, and that's why the name adaptogen is there. Yeah. Um, and so you said you said mocha. Like, give me an example. How would I how would I eat that? Maca is just a it's a it's a powder. I think it's an Incan or South American root, yeah. and they and powder it. Uh, you could you could put it in a mocha that would actually be quite good because it has that sort of uh, multi sort of sort of flavor. Um, yeah. But if I were ever using that, I'll just I'll just throw a teaspoon into my smoothie or something like that. You guys also t- I mean talk about uh, beets beets. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of research on beets being an athlete's you know best friend. I mean that's uh, that's like legalized doping. You mentioned that one. That that's that describes yeah. to me beet juice perfectly. Like like the the data on that is like they're very very significant improvements. Uh, along with caffeine actually, but, but beet juice, I believe even more than that, uh, or beetroot powder, if you want more of a whole yeah. food form. Uh, yeah. I mean, serious benefits to endurance. So how does caffeine help an athlete? Cause that caffeine is something I've never, I, I've never really had coffee or caffeine. Uh, how does that help an athlete? Well, I think, you know, I, I'll say, you know, openly I've been caffeine free since 2018, but I certainly used a lot of it before that. Never, never coffee, but like yerba mate. I got into that um, uh, through Brendan Brazier. And, you know, basically just that, that stimulant that gets you, that gets you energized. So then you can do more reps. You can a- have more explosive workout. You can, um, you know, push harder. You're, you're more alert. You're more focused, that kind of thing. But what, what, wait, I, wait, what you're I, saying, you're saying that listening to Kate Perry is not going to do it for me. You, you know, uh, it, it, it could, it could, it all depends <laughs> on the individual, but also rip, we, we do put a note of caution in there. And, and that was largely me projecting or me speaking from experience that you can also get really addicted to this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the caffeine should be considered a drug. You can get addicted to it. And I certainly was, I was consuming hundreds of milligrams a day. I couldn't sleep very well. I was totally addicted to it. And the, and the caffeine source that I was using was flavored yerba mate bottles that also had a bunch of sugar added. And so now I'm getting this, this, you know, this, all this extra sugar and liquid form that I don't need and taking an extra excess calories. And, you know, we can get carried away with that. And so I think there's a word of caution with caffeine, but the whole idea behind it is just that if you want a little bit of a boost, I mean, many people are dragging when they get to the gym in the first place, or they're dragging to put their shoes on. They're they're just dreading this upcoming workout. And that's just kind of the nature of our, I don't know, our our current state in, in, you know, especially we're not maybe super passionate about it. It's a chore to go exercise for a lot of people. And sometimes caffeine can give them a little bit of a boost. Talk to me about um, you, you talked to me about creatine because when I was going through the fire Academy, I, I kid you not halfway through one of the guys was like, started doing creatine and all of a sudden, like literally half the, uh, half of the class, there were like 30, 38 of us, half all of a sudden started doing creatine. They ballooned up like 10 pounds. Uh, and then on all of our mile or two mile runs in the morning, they started cramping up and I'm like <laughs> creatine. Anyway, so they were gaining weight, cramping up. How is creatine helping athletes? Yeah, well, I'll just touch on this briefly, yeah. just because it's so popular in, in bodybuilding and strength sports. Uh, yeah. So the idea behind it, Rip, and I've and I've used it. Um, you know, I haven't used sports supplements in ten years, but before before that, I did use it. 
Um, I did not have good results, incredible stomach pains. I couldn't even finish some workouts. I had to walk, literally walk out of the gym, but yeah. it has been a well-researched uh, supplement and, and so far shown to be safe for most people. And the idea is that it helps you retain water, which gives you more mass, which with more mass, you can move more mass. You can press more weight, yeah. which then can elicit strength gains. You get stronger, which then helps you get bigger. And so when you're carrying more mass, you can simply move more mass. So like you said, you can add five or 10 pounds, oh. you know, right away. Cause your, our bodies are mostly water yeah. anyway, something like 70, 80% water. Yeah. And so you add more water, you retain water, you can get bigger and stronger. And that's why people, especially in strength sports use it because they see some benefits. Yeah. From it. I, I, all these guys were definitely lifting more. They were stronger, but it did not help their, their running for sure. What about, what about you guys hit on something? And I was like, wow, I didn't know that that was, would, could help performance. And that's nutritional yeast. Yeah. I mean, nutritional yeast is, uh, I think of it even more than a performance food as like a, uh, like an immunity boosting food. That that's one that like I give to my kids as much as I possibly can. We do like a little, uh, kind of Parmesan sprinkle thing where you take like one part, well, I guess one part nutritional yeast to four parts raw cashews, uh, and then like a little pinch of, uh, salt and garlic powder to taste really. And that, that's a wonderful little sprinkle to put on almost any food. And I myself eat as much of that as I possibly can. And my kids, well, I shouldn't say as much as I possibly can, as often as I feel like using that stuff, I do. And I encourage my kids to do it too, um, yeah. because I think it's an incredible immunity booster. And it's been shown to be that. It's not, it's not just a me or anecdotal. I mean, there's studies yeah. have shown that. Yeah. And not that we need it, but for people that are interested, nutritional yeast, if you look at the, the, uh, the, the macronutrient um, breakup of it, it's 50% protein. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of nutty. Um, let me ask you this, you guys. So I, I love all the, you, the way you've sprinkled all the different athlete stories out throughout the, the book and like the beginning of each chapter is, is really great. It's such a, it's such a great um, compelling read. So I want to just, let's talk about some of these athletes that aren't as well known because I think their stories are, are fantastic. So I'll throw out um, some names. Uh, James Newberry. Yeah. Four-time Australia's fittest man. This guy is completely ripped. He, you know, he, he's in the CrossFit scene. I mean, th these are some of the, the, the fittest athletes on the planet, people who can combine strength and endurance and, um, and, and balance and, and utility and all this stuff with their, with just, just with their body. Um, and so, yeah, he's a guy, uh, and I know he contributed at least one recipe to the book as well. And, uh, just yeah. an, an incredible athlete. He's got something like a quarter million followers on Instagram. So he's, you know, he's influencing a lot of people. And that's what I love that you can, you can be a, a plant-based athlete and be considered the fittest person in your country. And by the way, we have another one, um, Jeremy, who's uh, uh, in the Netherlands, Netherlands uh, yeah. fittest man uh, in the book as well. Were they uh, inspired by Patrick Baboumian? What's that? Were they who wasn't, inspired right? by Patrick Baboumian? He, who, who knows? They, they could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing. Like everybody inspires somebody else. Like if, when you, you, you talk to people, it's, you know, you were their inspiration rip or Matt was, or I was, or, um, Vanessa Espinosa was, or Dotsie Bausch was, or James Wilkes was. It's, it's, it's or Brendan Brazier, you know, for a lot of people. Um, so who's, yeah, who's, that's, who's, that's I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to um, keep, keep this rolling along. What about who's Megan Duhamel? Megan Duhamel is Olympic gold medal winning figure skater. Uh, she's plant-based. Yeah, absolutely. She has been for a long time. And she, she, yeah. she actually won every single world championship event one year. Like she won every single one in Paris figure skating and, uh, and went on to win Olympic gold medal. And now she's actually, she has a pairs, a new pairs figure skating partner. Who's also plant-based. He's an oh. Olympic uh, silver uh, medalist. Who's actually dating the fiance of Sharon Feichman. Who's on the women's professional tennis tour. Uh, so I, before COVID at least once a month, I was playing Texas, no limit Hold'em poker. Right. I love it. Uh, you guys talk about Daniel Negruno. I can't pronounce his last name. Negruno. Negruno. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy's plant-based. He's one of the best poker players in the world. Talk to me about this guy. 
Yeah, Daniel's a hoot. Um, I've I've trained with him. I've uh, been to his house. Uh, trained with him what for poker? Or yeah, for, he trains uh, like bluffing games or something. Like, do you can blink first or something? He he's into weightlifting. Like he's he's into weightlifting. Come on. Um, and he actually talks about and Rip. You probably watch like me some of these late night you know World Series of Poker on on TV. And, and they talk about his diet all the time. And he talks about that, how a plant-based diet gives him focus, gives him fuel, gives him nourishment. And so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a different type of sport. Sure, but it's, um, yeah. You know, more of a concentration sport. And, and yeah. you could say it's a game, it's a card game, but it's also like, you know, 15 hours at a time sometimes for days on end in these major tournaments. And he was the world's number one earner for a long time until he recently got surpassed, you know, something like $40 million in earnings. And, uh, and he's an avid weightlifter himself. And so um, he's been following a plant-based diet for a very long time, very passionate about it. Yeah. What about Fiona Oaks? I mean, Matt, I don't even want to talk about, I mean, she's a legendary um, endurance runner. If you want to talk about her influence. You go, Robert, you're the athlete guy. I've, I've talked to Rip about, we actually have an interview tomorrow on a New York sports radio station. I was like, Robert, you, they, they only can have one of us. And I was like, Robert, you have to do it because I know they're going to talk about all the athletes and you're the guy who knows all the athletes. So <laughs> well, let, 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 let me tell you, Fiona, so Fiona Oaks, has been plant-based for 50 years or just about 50 years. She's, she's in her fifties now, and she's been plant-based since five years old. She doesn't have um, a kneecap in her right knee and was told that she wouldn't probably walk properly or even run. And she went on to set Guinness world records in marathon running um, the, the fastest accumulative time running on every continent, including Antarctica uh, marathons and all those continents. And she's uh, a, just a great, a great runner in the UK and, and has, you know, qualified to represent her country in the marathon, half marathon and, and 10 K like all those distances. And she's been an incredible uh, role model for so many. And on top of that has an animal sanctuary with like 600 animals she takes care of. Yeah. I saw a documentary about yeah. her a couple, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. Just, running for good. Yeah. She is um, what a, what a big heart. What an amazing woman. Yeah. 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 I've met her a few times on tour and, uh, in, incredible woman doing great things, um, you know, yeah. in the sports world and for humanity. Yeah. We'll have to put the name of that documentary in the show notes. Uh, I'll, I'll get that. Um, <clears throat> so let me ask you this guys. Um, if I want more information on the plant-based athlete, you know, some of the amazing meal plans that you have in there or anything else, um, besides buying the book, which I encourage everybody to do. Is there a website we can go to or Instagram? Yeah. I mean, it's available anywhere books are sold. Um, by the time this comes out, it will be released and it will be anywhere they're sold. Um, if you go to book.nomadathlete.com, you'll see uh, a bunch more stuff about you know, tons of people, including you and your dad have said about it. Really, really great things from uh, you know true leaders in this movement, uh, along with a bunch of bonuses that Robert and I put together that we're going to give anyone who can get it uh, before the, before June 19th, I believe is the deadline for getting all these bonuses. So you have a little bit of time if you're listening to this as soon as it's out. Um, but that's at book.nomadeathlete.com. Uh, and of course my website is nomadeathlete.com where I have a thousand plus articles written over 12 years, uh, about all different aspects of, of plant-based nutrition. Um, of course, Robert, you've got, uh, veganbodybuilding.com. Both of us are on well, my Instagram is nomadeathlete underscore official because someone beat us to the, uh, to the real uh -huh. name, but we just got the blue check mark. So now, you know, we're, we're, we're legit. Uh, and then Facebook know me athlete as well. Wow. Uh, Robert, and what are you on Instagram? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Robert.cheek and I'm at vegan bodybuilding and fitness. I've got two of them and, and that's where I hang out. I do my, you know, you've seen it rip. I do my, <laughs> my flexing photos to be silly, but also just to show again, someone who's been doing this as a quarter century that, you know, no meat is no problem. And so really rip just to summarize. And, and you said it so, so nicely for us that, you know, this is the book. This is the resource that we, we spent years putting this together, bringing the yeah. minds of all the great plant-based athletes out there, the men and women in this movement together. And in fact, every single recipe in this book, 60 recipes are from you guys, are from yeah. you and from Fiona Oaks and from Brennan Brazier and, and from James Wilkes and from the people who contributed to the book. Like This is a true resource of the curtain's been pulled back. You can see what these people do in, it, in daily life. Uh, whether it's a you know 25 time champion bodybuilder Corinne Sutton, or uh, or or a long distance champion uh, and world you know do athlete champion Laura Klein, you can see what they're doing and and be inspired by them and and hopefully take your plant based diet to the next level. Yeah, no, it's I love going through a day in the life um, uh, of a plant based athlete section and seeing what everybody 
is doing. A lot of it is, you know, overlap. A lot of it is, you know, very unique to the person and you can, you can garner something looking at each different athletes a day in the life of. Um, I want to, I want to read a passage that you guys have in the book. It's towards the very, very end. And I think it summarizes, I think it summarizes a a plant-based athlete perfectly. And I think it summarizes YouTube perfectly and what you guys, you know, what you guys have brought to the the plant-based movement. Being a plant-based athlete is all about becoming your healthiest, fittest, happiest self. So get out there and change the world. One bite, one lift, one step, and one smile at a time. Man, that like right there to me is like, that's it right there, baby. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's what, yeah, that kind of Thank- a positivity is what Robert Teague brings to the table when you have him as a, <laughs> yeah. uh, as a writing partner, which I think is awesome. And as, as we said at the beginning of this, it's so cool to team up on something like this uh, to write something that, that wasn't about either of our stories or not about your story, Rip, or, or Scott Jurek's or Rich Rolls. All of us have done that. What the movement hasn't really had is, is this, where we have all these different athletes saying how they do things so that we can kind of distill the common things. And like you said, Rip, we can find the, the interesting things that we can just, you know, little nuance, like, yeah. whatever, something that just sounds like a fun thing to try that this one person does. Uh, I think, I think that's what's, what's, you know, been missing. And it's really cool that we, we have been able to provide that to this movement. Yeah. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get a, a medjool date, take out that, that, <laughs> that, that pit, put in a, uh, you know, probably a Brazil nut for selenium, or maybe I'll throw in a walnut and munch on that thing. And I'll think of uh, you, Matt and you, Robert. And you go break a, <laughs> go break some sort of a world record. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> All right. Hey, you guys, will you do a sign off with me? Repeat yeah. after me. Ready? Peace. 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 Turn it, turn it around. Engine two. Engine two. Ooh, like it. Keep it plant strong. Plant strong. Yeah. <laughs> that episode packed a punch. And Robert and Matt's new book, The Plant-Based Athlete, is also packed with recipes, insights, scientific research, and profiles of athletes like me who use plants to power their workouts and their days. The game is changing, my friends, and it is Plant Strong. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr., and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.